Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Wednesday night Ask an Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, with me, Mr. Lady Ada, and we're broadcasting live from the Adafruit factory in downtown Manhattan. Behind us is all of the manufacturing line where we make and code and test and ship and video and photo and blog and more, everything that happens uh, on Adafruit.com and, and the learning system and, and Adafruit Daily. It happens here. Uh, right now everyone is asleep or at home because it's the end of the day. It's just Mr. Lady Ada and me because yep. we have an hour-long show we're going to do right now called we Ask do. Engineer. And we got all sorts of good stuff on it. So why don't you kick it off and tell people. On tonight's show, the code is wireless LEDs. Uh, we have lots of wireless LEDs this week. We had them before in the past and we ran out really fast. So I thought I would have a code and more. We'll get to these during new products. But if you've been seeing these, um, we got them. So the big use ones. the code wireless LEDs. Adafruit Live, series of shows we do these every single week. We'll be talking about the live shows we did and show and tell. We just got finished doing that right now. We have a chip shortage this week with everyone's favorite state, Texas. <laughs> they make instruments. Yeah. I don't know if you knew. Um, Texas Instruments is our chip shortage of the week. We'll go over what we need, what we're missing, and more. Maybe we'll uh, ask for their help as well. Got some main New York City factory footage. Got some 3D printing. We're gonna do IMPI. This week is from ST. It's brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. Got some new products. We're gonna answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it/discord. Mm -hmm. That's where we answer those questions. Join all 35,000 of us. That's where we're at. All that and more on you guessed it. Ask an engineer. Whoa. Okay, so uh, just remember, code wireless LEDs. You'll be able to uh, see these um, this week mm -hmm. on our shows and more. But uh, that's the code. And uh, they get free stuff. So if you want, start putting stuff in your cart. Free, 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 free. What did they get, Lady Ada? Okay, I'm glad you asked. When you order from Adafruit.com, which helps support us and pay all of our engineers and designers, photographers and videographers and cutters and more, uh, you get some free stuff. $99 or more, you get a free Permaproto half-size breadboard. Somebody on the show and tell showed off their Eurorack synth, which had a Permaproto in it. Says how you know they're good. Um, a great way to take your solderless breadboard projects and make them permanent. Uh, 199 or more, you get a pink Sorry. That's the other photo. You get pink KB2040. It's um, a lovely little dev board that's great for making keyboards or any other kind of microcontroller project featuring the Raspberry Pi RP2040. Uh, it's got USB-C, QT, buttons, castellated pads, lots of GPIO, analog inputs, and more. It's actually a really great uh, starter board. You can use it with uh, CircuitPython, MicroPython, or Arduino. And uh, we also have free shipping, but you know, apparently there's going to be a giant um, another crisis about like trains on strike. Yeah. I think trains are going on strike. Yeah. Um, so you know, we can get. We'll do what we can. We got free UPS uh, ground shipping, and then we also have a circuit playground. That's right. Express Bluefruit. Two nine nine or more, you get a circuit playground, Bluefruit, Bluetooth, low energy capabilities, uh, lots of sensors, LEDs, capacitive touchpads, and more. Um, yeah. Free with your order. And don't forget, um, please, please, please. Register on Adafruit.com, verify your account, and do two-factor authentication. And if you don't do that for other websites that you use and they offer it, you should. Because these computers, they're a chatty. And this is just one of the things that you could do to have good security, good you know, online hygiene, um, good ways to keep your data safe. And for some products, like things that are in short supply, like the Raspberry Pi, we're only allowing orders from accounts that have two-factor authentication because there's bots. There's people that buy them and then sell them in a huge markup. Um, it really, uh, the, the, the worst part about all this is what it does to people. So there's folks who really need to get Raspberry Pis, they can't get them, and um, they're angry. And sometimes even though we're the only steady supplier that's able to release them each week, uh, people have total meltdowns, yell at our team, they're really mean, I get it. You don't know, so that, we don't take please. it personal um, because they're just really angry and frustrated that, th that folks are doing this out there. So that's what you can do. And if you encourage others to um, just wait their turn, 
register on the site, two-factor authentication, we have a Raspberry Pi for and you. And we would limit one per customer so that yeah. everyone gets a shot. Yeah, so that's what we're doing. Okay. Hit it for live. So we do a bunch of live shows. Uh, we were um, having the team co-host um, show and yes. tell. So thank you so much, Liz, Melissa, no, Pedro, JP. Anyways, we had lots of the team co-hosting the show and tell. So thanks for that. We just got off the show and tell right now. It was so uh, great. A few moments ago, whatever version of time you want to use. Um, all of them were really good. I would say uh, I like to pick a highlight. Um, scrub forward and check out the Burning Man project that uh, Gustav showed because it was made with CircuitPython and you know Burning Man and electronics and even Adafruit. It's it's all kind of connected. Uh, really neat sensor work. Uh, and like uh, how like heartbeats could work. So check out that one. They're all good, um, but that's definitely one. Uh, and there's also some good synth projects. Yeah, and there's some good synth projects, and there's there's really neat projects that everyone did. But that's that's one to uh, to check out. On Sunday we do Desk of Lady Ada. Um, we have two parts. The first part usually Lady Ada is showing something she did. I you know I've, week, I've been actually doing some a lot of redesign, so I didn't have a lot of new products. But instead I showed off. Um, Oh, I did do one quick redesign of the 1.8-inch TFT breakout uh, to add iSpy connector, and we're going to have an iSpy product in the new product section later. Um, and I also showed off some uh, cool, weird rotary encoders samples that I got and joystick samples I got. Um, and I think that was pretty much And then I showed off this tester that I'm working on for the Itsy Bitsy ESP32. Yeah. Then we do the great search, and the great search is uh, when Lady uses her powers of engineering to help people find things on DigiKey. Com. So this week, what did you help people try to find? Okay, so this was actually interesting. So I'm, the, some of the great searches are like finding the parts easy, but what do you learn while trying to find the parts? So yeah. there is a FRAM component that uh, we use on a breakout and it got discontinued. And um, there's a suggested alternative. And the suggested alternative is in stock and it's a good one, but there's actually, um, it was a packaging change, not like a chip change or a discontinuation. And so it turns out you can still get the chip, but just in a slightly different molding package. Um, so it's always, a, it was a good reminder for me and, and part of the great search is always read the engineering change notes or the product change notes um, and read them in depth because not all of them are the same. Don't assume just because it's, a, you know, something's being discontinued that it isn't available some other way. Um, sometimes they really do just like kill off a product, but sometimes it's available with a slight tweak um, in the same pricing that's a little bit more lead time. Okay, and JP's product pick of the week happened on Tuesday. Here is this week's highlight. That right there is my product pick of the week. It is the Quad Alpha Numeric 14 segment LED backpack. It runs over I squared C, so you know what we did. We did what we always do. We added a Stemma QT slash Quick port. There's actually two of them back there. Light up individual segments if you want. Uh, yeehaw, my friend. I have five of these displays, each color. I have them all plugged into each other on the back using the Stemma QT, and then I have that plugged into a little cutie pie here. Each of these I have set the jumpers on to uh, give them unique addresses. Alpha stuff, it says alphanumeric display. Once you have this set up, you can just throw long lines of text at it or strings of numbers. It knows what to do, so there's nothing you have to do to manage it. It just acts as a single display, which is terrific. The library is excellent. It is the Quad Alpha Numeric 14 segment LED backpack display with Stemma QT. And don't forget on Thursday, JP's workshop. And then Friday, deep dive with Tim. Tim showed a really neat thing on the show and tell. It's this cool uh, flippy flippy clock mm, and yeah. uh, you'll be able to probably learn how to make that and more on this week's deep dive with Tim Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, um, I'm doing the quick little Adabox update. The update is there is no updates. We're still trying to get 5,000 plus of many parts uh, every single week. It's a fun uh, gymnastics um, performance with just getting all the things for regular customers, regular store orders, all the resellers. And so Adabox is one of those things where we keep squirreling away, putting in the parts in our cheeks and uh, digging them up maybe this winter to uh, <laughs> ship them out. So no updates. It's and a dirt box. <laughs> yeah. No updates yet, but if it doesn't look like we're going to do uh, Adabox this year, we'll let all the subscribers know. There is a lot of people signed up. So if folks go, if, you, if you're like, I'm tired of waiting, 
Um, that's fine. There's people who want to have that slot. And the other thing is we don't charge your credit card um, until we ship Betabox, so don't worry about it. But I think um, because everyone in all parts of their life has just been uh, endlessly disappointed with the things they've wanted, um, I feel like there's more understanding than uh, any other time because uh, we're going to have an Ada box. It's just we got to get the parts. So we'll keep doing the updates. Thanks for your patience. Very much appreciated. And if you want to tap out, that's okay. Just know it might be harder to get back in later because there's a few thousand people signed up for when people, if and when they, they, uh, they leave. Time for a chip shortage. This week's chip shortage, Texas Instruments, they have a chip that we need. Lady Ada, what is it? I'm glad you asked. It's the TPS 61090. Um, it's a boost converter chip. It's a very nice one. It's, we've been using it for almost a decade. It features in the PowerBoost 500. Um, it, you yeah. know, it, it's basically, it's got nice, uh, it's, you know, it, it's uh, reliable. It's got uh, indicator LEDs. Um, like I said, we've been using it in the uh, the PowerBoost design. We have the PowerBoost Shield, the PowerBoost Basic, you know, the PowerBoost Plus, whatever. Um, but we we have we can't make any right now, and we have a lot of people waiting for them. All right. Because we so can't get the TPS. If you go to their website, sixty-one. No go, huh? Ninety-nine. No, can't get it. Two right. amp switch. It's, I like it's a built-in switch. It's got. It's the indicators I really like about it. It's got like the low right. battery output and the power good output. Um, yeah, you can't get it, and it's like 55-week lead time from DigiKey. They're not in stock there either. So, yeah, so we went over there. We looked. So what is it, 55 weeks out? Yeah, 55 weeks out. But, you know, we actually ordered more than 55 weeks ago, and it's still being pushed out. Um, we, I think we've got these on order, what, uh, in October 2021? We're not going to get these until July, June, July 2023. Um, so it would be really cool if we got some. Uh, so, Mrs. Texas. Yeah, so please, please, please. Hair Instruments. Texas Instruments. Look at this baby. This is, this is, our, this is my child. This is a child. <laughs> please, your, 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 chips are needed. your small shipment of chips help all of the Power Boost children. Please. 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 So, uh, anyways, that's our chip shortage for this week. Um, we ordered 6,000 back in October of 2021. <laughs> And now it's pushed to July of 2023. So um, luckily, someone on Twitter reached out and said, oh, hey, I'm from Texas Instruments. Wanted to uh, connect. see, see, wanted to connect, you know. Wanted to instrument. Wanted to collaborate or something. Um, so I'm gonna send this video, maybe it'll work. Um, but we'd very you much like- You can come like, over if you bring over some chips. Yeah. Um, you don't need to bring over flowers. And we won't have to show this graphic anymore. It's terrorizing. That's this <laughs> week's chip shortage. It's Python on Hardware Time. Hey, Blinka. All right. Lot is going on. Um, newsletter, Adafruit Daily. We ship these out. If you haven't subscribed, please do. We're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers. I think it'll be the first and only Python on Hardware newsletter with 10,000 subscribers. So uh, this week- It's free. Yeah, it's free. No ads, no anything. Don't share your email address. All those things, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, Latest update to Raspberry Pi OS. Um, if you've been waiting, it's here. Download it. There's uh, a bunch of things that make your Raspberry Pi experience better. Um, the 2023 official Raspberry Pi handbook is out. You can download it as a PDF. You can also purchase it if you want to support the Raspberry Pi folks. Um, the weekly CircuitPython community help desk, help desk, help desk. Video is out every single Saturday. Um, you can ask your questions. Um, check it out. 
if you're looking for um, kind of like open office hours, I guess that's the thing. Like any anything that you're looking to do with uh, Circuit Python, and you want to um, have someone help you out with the code, um, a lot of folks they do projects and then they deploy them later. Um, the person who did the um, Burning Man project with Circuit Python, they were able to get all the help they needed and then went off. And you know you don't have connectivity and everything. So a lot of people have experiences not only just sharing code tips, but things like, oh, here's good uh, best practices for um, putting a heat shrink on wires, or just a lot of things. Like, this is more, than just, to watch out for, more to, than just code. How to keep dust out of your project. So it's uh, monthly, and you can check out um, more information on the blog. Uh, PyCon UK is coming up. It's Friday the 16th through Sunday the 18th. If there's anything there that we see, we'll uh, do a post. Um, there's usually some interesting stuff at these events. Microdot, a lightweight web server API for Python and MicroPython. And then we go into the projects and more. We had a little bit of news with like how companies are dealing with the chip shortage. We just did our chip shortage video. Um, and then some of the streams. Um, deep Dive this week with Tim, CircuitPython Parsec with JP. The CircuitPython show last week was Radomir. This week coming up is Thea Flowers. So if you're interested in really cool um, synthesizers and Eurorack stuff, uh, Winter Bloom. Um, Everyone that loves that. Gonna be a cool interview. And then Project of the Week this week is Minesweeper. It's a game on the Pi Portal Titano with CircuitPython. Fun. So yeah, if you wanna check that out, that's there. And then um, just tons and tons of project news around the web. You can see all the things that people are doing with CircuitPython, with MicroPython, with keyboards. Um, some of the things, uh, Anne is the editor of the newsletter, um, definitely, dialed into what's going on at NASA, because uh, Anne's down in Florida. Um, kind of interesting, you probably saw this, NASA selects the sci-fi uh, RISC-V chip. Yeah, it's just For their ecosystem cool. for future space missions. Yeah. Which makes sense. Um, you know, they're probably, like, it makes sense that they probably want an open core in some way so they can do different things. Um, and then they can, like, oh, this is and the they core can we use. Hard into, you yeah, know, this is the core we to. use, like, who wants to, like, make it space yeah. Space Harden. Space cool. um, Post up some of our videos, some of our projects, and more. It is a super chunky newsletter. You can sign up on Adafruit Daily. We deliver it to your inbox every single week. It's spam-free, ad-free. We don't share your email address. However, this is the tip I'm going to tell everybody, because I'm corresponding with someone right now. They think that their email address was used on another newsletter. And I'm like, well, it wasn't from us, but I can see why you'd think that because everyone in the world shares your email address, everyone lies, everyone's been let down. All there is is suffering online. A lot of it's Twitter, but there's other parts, part, uh, parts online where people suffer. Um, but everyone's been lied to and let down. So I completely get it. We never take it personal. Um, but one of the things um, I suggest is if you're using, I think pretty much you know, unfortunately, it's kind of monopoly with uh, how mail works. But if you're using something like Gmail or something that's based on Gmail, you can always construct an email address. So a lot of people do that. They'll put their name plus like Adafruit and then, you know, at gmail.com. And that's a good way for you to track because we don't share your email address. And um, that's uh, and I would also say, like, put a little like code and date and everything like that. Because if there was ever a data leak, we would want to know that, too. If for anyone yoinked email addresses, we would want to hear about that. Um, but that's a little tip that you could do because um, I want to make sure everyone knows we don't do that. You have to try really, really hard to get us to send uh, an email. Um, we only do it for orders and stuff like that. That's why we have a separate site, adafruitdaily.com. And that is this week's Python on Hardware. We're an open source hardware company to prove it. We have 2,730 guides. Wow. Lady Ada, what's on the big board? We had actually a lot of guides go yeah. live this week. Okay, from Noah and Pedro, uh, they did a great uh, guide on how to use and how to access uh, their references of 3D model parts um, from Adafruit. And they have a GitHub repo, and they show um, the file formats, how to download them, how to use them, and also how to do a pull request. So if you do make models of some Adafruit parts, please submit them. Um, we would love to have them in the repo, but it's um, a resource, something that we use internally for when Noah and Pedro make 3D models, uh, you know, projects they want to fit everything in nicely, so they have it all modeled out, um, and they have like the silk screen, it like looks really cool, uh, and you can use it as well. From Liz Clark, uh, she did an awesome, fun project where she made um, 
the synthesizer patch cables using the LED nudes, these uh, flexible filament LED strip thingies. Um, and just using the CV signal or the gate signal actually powers the LED because it's like you put voltage across it. Uh, and so by doing some like cool hacking, she makes the, you know, it looks like the cables are lighting up uh, and pulsing with the music. Um, and using stackable cables means you can get signal through via another cable and then the lighting happens um, via the CV and ground uh, connection. So check out that guy. It's a really easy project, a great beginner project. Um, if you're you know, not a super electrical engineer, you don't want to do any coding, there's no coding required for that project. Okay. Got some other guides? Um, okay. We also got from Katni, uh, the Wi-Fi mailbox notifiers, a common project, uh, how to make a ESP32 board uh, running CircuitPython. If you didn't know, CircuitPython now runs on the classic ESP32. Um, and have it go into a deep sleep mode in between and then wake up when something opens, like a magnetic switch is opened, like this mailbox, and it will send a message to Adafruit.io and then it can send you an SMS or an email or some other notification. Also track the battery level. It's a really great IoT project, a very common uh, project people want. They want to be notified when something has been opened. Uh, JP Noem Pedro also did a massive project called the Walk Person. Um, it's an MP3 player that's in a tape uh, player shape, uh, and it uses um, our, uh, you know, these cool uh, Cherry MX keys. Uh, it uses a display, uses a Feather RP2040, um, plays MP3s with this. Uh, it has the amplifier. You can use speakers or headphones. Uh, this is an adorable little project I'll put together in CircuitPython, uh, and also a really great demo of how to use, again, all those 3D model parts in um, the Adafruit GitHub repo uh, to make a 3D printed project where everything fits together nicely and, and comes together so beautifully. Um, Jepler has a bunch of keyboards and he's uh, making them work <clears throat> with CircuitPython and they're all a little different. Uh, so this week it's a Commodore 16 keyboard, uh, which is actually just a raw matrix keyboard and he you know, basically showed how to use a KB2040 and how to turn it into a, a key map keyboard. And then also don't forget QMK uh, is releasing RP2040 support. So you could also um, update this to use QMK if you'd like. And then um, finally, Liz did a one page update to the Adafruit macro pad. Uh, a lot of people asked, how do I connect external hardware to the macro pad? Uh, can I add Wi-Fi? can I add Bluetooth? Not really, but you can add uh, sensors and rotary encoders and LEDs and stuff. Um, check out the uh, extra page on ex adding external hardware to the macro pad guide. Okay, I'm gonna play two videos. One is the walk person, just a little bit of like how it works, and then uh, Liz's video about the cool project she just did. In this project, you'll use Nude's flexible LED filaments to make light-up visualizers for your CV synths. Synthesizers are like musical circuits. Their sonic qualities are affected by voltages and different waveform shapes that are patched to different modules in the system. The Nudes are soldered to audio jacks with an inline resistor. Then, they can light up by plugging into the CV outputs. Different waveforms and voltages can create different light-up effects. Gate signals or square waves will make the nudes blink. LFOs, sine waves, and triangle waves will make the nudes fade on and off, like pulse width modulation. The nudes can't transmit a CV signal, they only visualize them. You can use them with signal multipliers or piggyback cables to integrate with your patches. See how you can build your own glowy noodles by checking out the Learn Guide at learn.adafruit.com. And it's time for some advanced manufacturing here from the Adafruit factory. And then I'll play a special video that we shot here in New York, too, not too long ago.
It's 3D printing time. Zip, zip, zip. Yeah. All right, we got two videos. One is gonna be about the part stuff that we're doing, so you can get all your 3D parts, um, so you can make enclosures more, and then we're gonna do a speed up, and then we'll see you on the other side. Oh, there's a skull. You can design custom enclosures for your DIY projects using 3D models from Adafruit. These allow you to create designs that feature accurate measurements so you can get exact dimensions without having to guess or rely on measuring parts with calipers. The 3D models are available to download for free on GitHub. Links are in the description. Each part features the product ID, so it's easy to search and find exactly what you're looking for. Included are files in open formats, such as STEP and STLs, but also the original Fusion 360 file. You can also view a GIF or JPEG image of the part to see the model before you download it. If you can't find what you're looking for, you can submit a parts request using the Issues tab. You can also contribute by submitting your own parts to the repo. Just follow the same naming convention and submit a pull request. For more documentation, be sure to check out the guide on learn.adafruit.com. As a YouTube auto captioner said, it's really important time. It's every <laughs> Wednesday, 3D Hangouts, uh, which is not only 3D Hangouts, but really important time with uh, Noam Pedro, so do check that out. All right, let's uh, do some Ion MPI. Yes. This week's INMPI is from ST. Lydia, what is this week's new product introduction? That's right, ST Micro. This is an interesting new sensor. Um, this is an accelerometer. It's the AIS 25BA. I want to also mention that this is the automotive version of the List 25BA. So there's there's two versions. They work pretty much the same. Um, and these are accelerometers um, that. You configure them with I squared C, but the data comes out um, via TDM. And they're designed to be low noise, high bandwidth. Um, they're triple access. And um, yeah, it's interesting. Like they basically go up to like, you know, basically 4G max. And instead of getting data the way you normally would with an accelerometer, where you, um, you, know, you basically query it over I squared C or SPI and, and you get the data that way, or like maybe it's analog, um, the data is streamed out for you automatically over you know a, a high-speed TDM interface where you you know you can clock it at multiple kilohertz um, and it's designed to go into an audio subsystem which is which is like I was like what's up with that like why would such a thing uh, be useful and this is the um, uh, the, the data sheet uh, so this one again the this is the AIS version it's designed for use in automotive um, it's got ultra no low noise density it's a 1.8 volts uh, uh, interface, by the way, which isn't a big deal, but just um, FYI. And uh, it's designed to have um, ultra-low 
frequency response from DC to 2.4 kilohertz. So 2.4 kilohertz is kind of like the cutoff where they're expecting you to um, stream data out of. You control it over I squared C, and then of course you get, like I said, TDM output, eight to 24 kilohertz. Um, it's time division, that's TDM stands for time division multiplex. So you're gonna get the X, Y, Z, um, and other data out. So again, what is this useful for? So this is kind of interesting. Um, so the idea behind this is that you would use this for noise reduction, noise cancellation for um, recording because, you know, usually you record with a microphone, right? A microphone takes audio waves uh, going through the air and it flexes a uh, thin, you know, piezo element or a MEMS element, converts it into a capacitive or current or voltage measurement, and that's how you get audio out. Um, the problem is, is that you know, and, and just uh, we're doing the show, and so, you know, this is something we deal with. It's really hard to get only the, noise, the, the audio you want without the background noise you don't want. It's, it's like there's a lot of work involved in it. And especially if you're doing automotive, right? We mentioned this is the automotive version. If you're in a car, cars are extremely loud, and you're trying to maybe use a, uh, you know, a voice assistant or you're talking on the phone, um, you're fighting all this background noise. And what's interesting uh, about this idea that ST, I don't know if they invented it or, or they just you know, have products for it, but you use the accelerometer to do uh, the vibration detection for the low, the DC zero to again, about two kilohertz vibrations. Um, and you use that instead of the microphone. And so you don't end up getting um, the acoustic noise uh, and you cancel it out and if there is noise that comes in from the low frequencies due to vibration, you can either add it or remove it or perform some sort of filtering um, so that you can uh, you, you don't get that, uh, especially in the, the, those low frequencies is where you're getting a lot of acoustic noises um, and microphones usually are not as responsive. Um, so yeah, so the idea here is that you, know, you still need a microphone. This is not a, a microphone, but because it's TDM out, you know, you can basically shove it directly into your codec, um, your DSP, your chip, your microcontroller, your microcomputer, um, perform some basic filtering on it, either like low pass or high pass add or addition, and um, use that to get better audio output. And we have a video that we'll show at the end that actually, it shows, you know, how nice the waveform looks when you remove the, um, the, the audible noise that you would not get through the vibration detection of the LIS or the AIS-25. Um, so the chip is, uh, you know, the kind of the standard uh, 16 LIS style uh, GPIO, but again, um, they don't have SPI. Instead, they have TDM output uh, or input. You know, you, you put in the bit clock and the M clock um, for the, sorry, the, yeah, the word clock and the M clock and the the master clock and the B for the bit clock. Um, you control over I squared C what data you want out and uh, the formatting, uh, it comes out as 16-bit TDM, I think up to eight channels. I think maybe, yeah, here it shows you. Uh, you can decide, um, you know, which, which frequency range you want. Uh, you can set cutoffs, you can, you know, do oversampling, whatever. Um, you can get uh, the ODR data XYZ. It comes out as TDM, and then your your codec is going to have to take that and then do something with it. But usually, once you get it, like if you have a powerful enough microcontroller or my computer, once you get the data in in this like I2S like format, um, it's very easy for you to perform audio calculations on it. Just mentioning that the accelerometer is just accelerometer; it doesn't do the math for you. But it just gets you the data in the format that you can then perform. Uh, math on. Um, so yeah, you can, sorry, there's six, sorry, there's eight slots, I think. I don't remember, there's six slots. You can decide uh, which ones you want um, on what axis, and then, you know, again, they have some example code for, uh, I think, an STM microcontroller, you know, if you, you download it um, for their dev board, but uh, honestly, I would probably plug this into something like a Raspberry Pi computer, something that can uh, really do the um, the analysis for you and, and do the uh, filter cutoffs. For the I squared C control side, um, you know they do have a driver. This is kind of a generic C driver. It's not in Arduino E's, but uh, you could port it to you know whatever Linux STM32 Cube or whatever microcontroller you're using. Um, 
and then pipe that TDM data into your microcontroller, uh, sorry, into your uh, microcomputer or your DSP. And the best part is it's in stock. Available at DigiKey. Yay. That's right. It's in stock. There's 490 at the time of this this printing. Yes, there's <laughs> no eval boards right now. I would have picked up an eval board and I'd try it out. But um, do check out also, again, the list 25, which is the non-automotive version. Um, I think the thing that we, first off, this is interesting because I'd never seen Accelerometer with TDM output. And I was like, why would you do that? Um, but then once I, I saw the demo and I read about it, I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. It's definitely, you know, as we're seeing, you know, we've talked a lot about AI and audio interfaces. You know, one thing that I've noticed is a lot of companies are trying to get away from having mechanical button and knob interfaces and go with audio interfaces because they're upgradable, they're programmable, they don't get dirty, they don't get loose. Um, you don't have to worry about yeah. people looking, you know, you can just speak to your car and say, you know, do X, Y, Z. The problem is, is that you are, if an audio, if an audio assistant isn't 99% accurate, it's incredibly annoying. Like they have yeah. to be so good or it's very frustrating for people. And, it, and it's even not possible because there's humans involved. So yeah. um, I saw that the studies that have come out that it's uh, it's a better UI for many things to have physical knobs. Yeah. So I think it's like the middle path is the way, once again, like some stuff makes sense for probably voice control, but some stuff should probably also have a tactical knob. Probably can do a little bit of both. Yeah. yeah. That said, uh, you know, and this was definitely, I can, I can sort of tell, like, this was designed for some car company that they were like, we want audio interface, but we want to do the noise cancellation from the vibration. Because it's yeah. like you're driving on a highway and it's just like, Rrr. so, um, but I think it's going to be very useful for other, you know, anyone using um, recording or voice, especially with, um, uh, or doing, uh, actually, another interesting use case for this would be, if you wanted to do like predictive maintenance type projects where it's like you have yeah. a device that's vibrating, um, like a compressor, like this is a common thing, yeah. the compressor, it's like when it starts, it starts making a weird noise, right? But yeah. then how do you determine what that weird noise is and how do you get the audio yeah, you can in? Just sample and then you can, yeah. Using the vibration could be nice because then you won't, you won't be affected, that it won't be affected by outside acoustic noise. Yeah. So there's a couple of cases. I like the idea of like it streams in as audio. Um, comes in as three, you know, three to nine channels, and, and you tweak it. Yeah, that one of the way. elevators I take. Anytime it's about to break down, it always sounds different. Yeah, that, that would probably be a good use for it's it. It's interesting that you know, it's we forget that accelerometers and audio are actually measuring the same thing. Yeah. Uh, just one does a surface when one does it in the air. Anyways, uh, we got sorry, a video. We had to distract, but uh, check out this very cool uh, demo, which I, I like that they had Audacity, so you could really see the effects of the uh, L uh, LIS 25. ...by the accelerometer, and the audio is recorded by the onboard microphone. In this PC GUI, you see the individual part of each of the sensors, which is the microphone on the top, you see in time and frequency, and then the accelerometer in time and frequency. What we are going to do in order to deploy this system is we are going to take the lower portion of the spectrum up to 2 kilohertz from the accelerometer and the higher portion of the spectrum from the microphone, as you can see in, in these two uh, diagrams. We are going to combine them into a single audio signal where the gain, uh, acoustic gains of the two sensors have been equalized and recombine them into the output that gets generated uh, as output of the, of the system. So now let's try to record the audio coming from the demo. So we turn on this recording system where we see two channels actually. One represents the audio as recorded by the single microphone. Another one represents the audio recorded by a combination of microphone and accelerometer. So let's try to listen to each one of these recordings in order to understand the improvement in quality. I'm going to split the two signals into individual tracks so that we can listen back to them. Now, if I turn on this bottom track and I play it back from the loudspeaker, you can hear a very disturbed audio that represents what you would get using just a microphone with no further processing. If we listen to the other track, 
we can hear the output of the actual system, which is clear voice with none of the noise you were, you were hearing previously. Okay, we're getting set up for new products here. Is that a red line on the screen? I do it? not know. It just uh, appeared. All right. I think it was. Uh, Very so let's do the code. Codes wireless LEDs. And it's new product time. New, 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 All right. Thank you for fixing my overhead camera. Yeah, I think what happened was um, it has a drawing feature. Oh, no. And I think you were drawing well, on I it. Well, I think the cable was draped over I think it. you were drawing on it. Uh, okay. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> Whatever. Back to business. Uh, okay, so we've got these magnetic Actually, last week we put in um, these really cool magnetic tip cables. They're data yeah. and power. And on one hand, they've got, on one end, they've got the USB-A or USB-C. On the end, other end, you can have adjustable different tips. And so last week... We had gotten the USB-C tip in. This week we got the yeah. um, micro USB and yeah. the iOS Lightning, which yeah. I will show as well as this wonderful demo. Um, again, it goes it goes either way. It's USB-C, yeah. and you pick different tips. And what I thought was nice about this is Ish. that you could have one cable, Ish. different connectors, and like these. I'll tell you, like I've tried other ones, and yeah. there was a reason we haven't carried these until now, is they were always like never that great. Um, but they're much, much better now, and I actually really like this cable, and I like these tips. So let's go to the overhead real fast. Okay. And I will show it off. The newly refreshed overhead. The newly refreshed overhead. So this is the cable. Uh, so we showed this off last week, and I will focus lock. Um, so it's Type-C if you want. If you have a you know USB-C connector, you have a MacBook. Type-A if you are uh, on a Windows computer like me. And then um, I'm gonna plug this into my little extension cord here. Um, one thing I like, it has a little power LED, tells you that it's lit up. Um, it does data and power. This is the micro USB. It works great. Or if you want the USB-C tip, it comes with a tip, uh, USB-C, um, but it also, hold on, yeah, there you go. So this is running the demo I'm gonna show later, uh, USB-C demo, and then um, you've also, of course, got a lightning connector, which I forgot my iPad is dead. But yeah. if it was not dead, it would be charging. I, I left it, unfortunately, um, for a couple of days. But the tip does work. Yeah, we'll well, I'll turn on in a second, I feel like that. Oh, yeah, see, it's like, yeah, hi, now, why, why did you do that? Now we really could tell it now works. Now it's really upset. It's like, please yeah. plug that back in. So I'm going to let this yeah, charge. That's one of the things. A lot of times there's interesting stuff out there but we have to test it all and a lot of it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and so we're only willing to stock and support the things that we've tested. And then we've also been using these uh, for a while and kind of went through all its paces. Yeah. And I like this because it's got like a nice woven cable and it's got the USB-C or A at the end. Yeah. And it's nice that you can get extra tips and, and plug it in. I find this useful because I don't want to have five. Th I don't have to plug in all the things at once, but I do need to switch between all these different kinds of cables all the time. Yep. Okay, next up. Yep. Okay, next up. I got this for uh, Noah and Pedro's project, uh, but their project got finished before the cables came in. This is a USB 3 to SATA adapter. Um, basically, you know, every time there's a new Raspberry Pi, people are like, hey, why haven't you added SATA connectors? It's like, well, because they didn't. Uh, it's very small, it's a $35 computer. Uh, but if you want to add SATA, it's yeah, really easy. Go. This cable uh, gives you the SATA power and data on the ends, uh, and it has a USB-A 3.0 on the other, so it goes like, I think it's like six gigabit per second speed. Um, you know, I do have it plugged in here into a large laptop. I will say USB-A is only really good for like about an amp, um, so it's best used with SSDs, uh, not necessarily a, a, or a laptop drive. Um, I happen to have only this really big old Western digital. I'm actually... Junk. I, where do we shoot this photo? Because it sh honestly should be an SSD. I don't want to promise that it works for these gigantic old disk yeah. drives. By the way, this is not included if you buy it. And the disk drive is not <laughs> included. Yeah. Um, okay. 
So yeah, this is very handy. And then of course, check out Known Pedro's awesome guide on how to turn a Raspberry Pi or other single board computer into a multimedia server for your home. Okay, next up. We've got from Monk Makes, our favorite, uh, one of our favorite British makers. We have no favorites, they're all our favorites. Um, that's favorite spelled with a U. Yeah. Uh, Monk makes uh, makes adorable electronics uh, for Microbit, but also for MicroPython and Arduino in general. Uh, this is designed for the Microbit, and it's got a humidity and temperature sensor and a moisture sensor and RGB LED. And it's designed to make gardening projects and sensing projects really easy. It's low cost. It's very affordable. Um, pair it with a Microbit, or just use alligator clips to clip it onto your favorite microcontroller, circuit Python, a Clue, what have you, a Pico. Yeah. Um, there's header soldered on the back, and there's no soldering required. And uh, he's got a whole bunch of code as well. So check out that and all the other great Monk Makes products. And uh, these are all of the wireless LEDs. Ooh, this that's is, the code. This is the Bonanza. Yes. Tonight, okay. at cornucopia. A corn Let me. Um, sorry, I have to set this up because. I yeah, I'm going to show all these videos that we did. Okay. They did a good job. So of we this. already had the. People were like, "Wait, you already have the wireless LEDs in store?" Yes, uh, but we didn't have the big ones, and people wanted the big Berthas. So there's two sizes of wireless LEDs, and I will actually admit, at first I did not realize that there was multiple sizes, but if you look at yeah. this photo. Yeah, and just by the way, if you go to our site, we have we have you know the selection page where you can yeah. you could do this. So you want to show the yeah. yeah. So on the right, there's the small inductor, and on the left is the large one. So we've had the small ones in stock, but they actually, you know, the, the way the inductive chargers work, of course, is we've got the big ring uh, that forms the primary, and these coils form the secondary. Um, the magnetic field passes through the coil and, and charges up the LEDs. Um, and if you're using the small ring, you know, you pretty much have to be right there. But what's nice is if you have the big mm -hmm. ring and the large wireless LEDs, they can work as far as um, like 30-ish centimeters away. The red LEDs are, are particularly dim, but some of the white LEDs, um, and I think the green ones in particular, are very responsive. Um, show it down yeah, now. let's show them the overhead. They come in packs of 10. I love doing the demo for these because What's it's great like, is you don't have to take them out of the bag. I don't have to take them out of the bag and like lose them. Uh, they're right here. So of course the best um, transmission you're gonna get is when they're coaxial, which means that the ring is in the center. Well, it doesn't mean the center, but you know, close to the middle, not on the outside yeah, of the here. ring. I have this on my hand here. Oh, you put yeah, just okay. isn't this neat? Isn't this cool? It's, ma it's magical. It's magical. Way. Yeah, look at this. But it will always work How best if it's possible? coaxial, so like, yes, yeah. just sticking up. And then lift your hand up. So you can get about 10, maybe about up to 6, okay. 10 inches look away. Far, look, at, it's still lit. It's, it's still, lit. still lit. It does get dimmer, and then it stops. So we did a couple measurements. So each one has the, using the, the big ring at, at 24 volts, how far away it'll work. Yeah. Um, with white, blue, and the colors do act a little differently. One another thing we learned is not all the colors are uh, work at the same distances. So red, in particular, uh, I think it's dimmer a little earlier than the green because the green is just ultra bright. So yeah. there you go. Um, so you got the large ones, you got the small ones. Of course, the larger ones work at farther distances, but they are larger, so you'll need to be you know you can't fit them into as tiny spots. Um, but that said, we have all the different colors, uh, so choose your favorite color and your favorite size. Okay, and yeah, you can go to the one-page destination on our site if you want to. And then don't forget, you need the coil as well. Yeah. But one coil can power you know, dozens of LEDs, as you see. Okie dokie, next up. Okay, uh, by popular request, I'm finally getting to some more iSpy boards. There's just been so many revisions. Um, and hold on, I actually had the demo, and then of course I... I yeah. Uh, so the you know I'm going Oops. to use this magnetic cable. Can I hit the no this uh, sorry no five six one three yeah, okay sorry. thank you. Uh, so this is the um, iSpy breakout board. So all of our displays that we've been making lately, um, you know people have said like wow you know the quick STEM IQT stuff for I squared C has been awesome because it makes it so easy to plug in I squared C sensors no soldering you get power ground data clock. Wouldn't it be cool if you did the same thing for displays? And so um, the idea here is, is you can't use just wires because you need a lot of pins for displays because there's you know, the SPI and the SD card and the touch screen and the memory and reset and backlight. So you, basically it's 18 pins. 
Um, and if you look on uh, like this image, you'll see uh, our 1.9 inch display, which I'm also gonna demo, has a latchy connector on it. If you use this flex cable, and you can use a very long flex cable because uh, flex cables are pretty good at high frequency um, data passing. You can um, then easily wire up displays that are not right next to uh, your screen. So, you know, normally I'd have solder and wire and plug it all in, but this is actually just uh, plugged in via this uh, flex connector. And I'll just show, I'll just, I'll disconnect with my magnetic USB cable. Oh yeah. And then I'll show, it's really easy to um, insert this cable in. We have these in various lengths from short, medium, long, and you can of course get uh, flex cables very easily in other lengths. Um, and then this is just a break it because you're like, okay, well, I've got the cable. I still have to wire it up on the other side. But this way, it's like you, you know, you don't have to pass long cables for the data. There's also another issue people were having where they're like, why am I not able to pass the SP, you know, 80 megahertz clock data so quickly through my jangly wires? It's like, well, you got jangly wires. Mm. Uh, this way, you've got nice short breadboard wires, uh, and they go into the cable, and the cable can snake out, and then you can mount this uh, wherever you like without having to worry about uh, cables hanging up. It's a much neater uh, collection. Of course, we'll, uh, we'll have little add-ons that are designed for feather wings and Raspberry Pi, but we wanted to start with the, the breakout board version. Okie dokie, and then the stars of the show tonight besides you, Lady Ada, our community, our customers, our staff, everyone here at Adafruit who makes things go, the community, this wonderful world is... Uh, Wait, keep going. What? We just did that one. Yeah, we did that one. Yeah. Now Sorry. it's this one. Yay! The LT, the LTR 329 right. and LTR 330. Uh, yeah. These are this is a two, a two and one. Um, these are very similar sensors. Uh, just one second. I'm going to grab the, the magnetic cable. Yeah. For the somehow my, my uh, Well, it's okay. They all look the some same. Of, yeah, some of my, my some of my photos got out of order this week. You know, we should do magnetic stems one day. I don't know. Um, we well, we have those magnetic connectors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all these are kind of blending into one right now. I know. Like, they're well, everything looks very similar. Six one zero and okay. then five five. So the LTR three hundred three and the LTR three hundred twenty nine are both light on I squared C digital sensors. They're good up to I think like sixty four kilolux um they both have adjustable gains and they have like different integration rates and measurement rates and they're just really nice little light sensors and they're very inexpensive um and here's just the demo showing i'll get this stuff out of the way because there's there's a lot going on here yeah um the sensors uh have uh visible plus ir and then infrared um uh diodes inside there's two channels and then you know when you cover them up it goes down and when you you can change the gain just you know basically it's up to 16 bits and uh depending on how um bright you want it you can adjust the gain to to give you a good range um they both have stem qt connectors um the drivers actually are, live in the same libraries we have arduino and circuit python slash python library so you can use it with any Arduino board, you can use it with a Raspberry Pi, single board computer, desktop with a FT232H, etc. cetera. The um, 329 is, is you know, the simplest version, and then the 303, um, so explain why I have both. I actually, so originally I wanted to just do the 329 because I, I was going to use it for a project, and I thought, let's make a breakout. The 303 is basically the same sensor, but it has an interrupt pin. And like you, you know, it's it really is just not connected on the 329. Um, it only exists on the 303. You know, do you need the interrupt pin? If you don't, go with the 329. If you do, go with the 303. You know, again, the driver code is basically the same. Um, on the back, you can uh, cut the trace to uh, get rid of the uh, green LED. They only have one I squared C address. That said, there is no simpler, easier, smaller light sensor that we found, um, especially if you're going to replace, we got this to replace an analog light sensor um, and we want it to be extremely compact. Uh, this one's definitely smaller than the BH1750. It's smaller than the Vemmel 770 for sure, which is huge and chunky. Um, and the code's very easy to use and it's a very simple interface, and, but it kind of does everything you want. So, uh, you know, two nice, simple light sensors. Uh, great for everyday, uh, you know, visible infrared, and then you subtract them to get just visible light sensing. And then if you want threshold interrupt support, uh, check out the 303. 
All right. And that is new products this week. New, 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 we had this wireless LEDs. Yeah, we got a lot of that going, a lot of that going on this week. Okay, um, we're gonna because uh, we had a lot going on. We're not gonna do top secret this week. We're gonna uh, go straight to the questions. Um, I have some lined up. Go over to Discord Adafruit.it/slash/discord. Yeah, we really it's already nine. Yeah, we're gonna answer some questions. Um, first up, one more okay. just to confirm. Confirm. Are these data and power? They are data, data and, and power. power. Data yes. and power. Data and power. Cool. I know it's confusing, but they are data and power. Now, yeah. they don't have all the extra super mega special USB-C connectors, but they absolutely will do yep. 2.0. Okay. Um, I'm working with something that will need to measure the temperature of wax. It will be embedded in the wax. Mm. While solid and melted, is there a temp sensor that would be able to put up with that environment? Well, here's the good news. That's actually not that hot. I mean, it's hot, but it's not, like, crazy hot. Now... There are the we have the high temperature DS eighteen B twenties in the store. I think those go up to one twenty five C. Um, so basically, if it's below boiling, which I think wax is, um, try that. That's definitely the easiest because there's DS eighteen B twenty code everywhere. If that won't work for you, um, we definitely have the K type thermocouples with the stainless steel tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll also do the job. Then I'll go up to like you know six hundred degrees C. But honestly, you know, it, the cheapest, easiest thing is just to use the high temp DS18B20s if you don't need more than 125C. For the selective solder, is it would it be better to leave the dross floating on the surface as an insulator and oxygen bear, or or do you no, have to because it'll it? clog it'll clog the um, pump, so you have to clean it off. I mean, there's always a little bit, but you don't want it to be like super crusty. Okay. Do you have a favorite op amp? Oh boy, uh, the LMC6542. Is the that was kind of my first op amp. Um, I got totally spoiled, you know, because I was in lab, and I think it was the LMC sixty five forty two or something like that. Um, of course, everybody loves the, um, the the what is it the TL 084, 082. Mm. Um, like you know that's, that's a, 74s in there. Like the TL, the, yeah, the eighty four, the eighty two, I think are good. You know, I think the thing that about the LMC sixty five that was really sweet was it was real to real input and output. And it completely spoiled me because it's like I had those in my lab kit, and I'm like, "Well, these are ideal op amps. Everything's ideal op amp." And then you go into the real world, and you're like, "Wait a minute! You, what do you mean it's not, you know, high bandwidth and you know, high gain bandwidth and real trail input, totally internally compensated, ultra stable?" Uh, yeah, they're like they're like three or four bucks a piece. Very nice um, op amps. Okay, so. um, that uh, pretty font thing that we were uh, showing off on mm, Phil Bees, show yeah. Yeah, so what is that and where will that eventually be for people to try out? Well, it, well, it, it's it, like it just got like ready for me to look at, so yeah. it's not quite public. I want to try it out and then we'll, we will of course publish it open source. Yeah. Um, but the idea is I, I just felt so bad asking Phil B to just do silk screens for a little breakout and I was, I've been doing a lot of little breakouts over and I've kind of been re- like tweaking and revising them a little bit. Um, you know, to, to, to tweak the manufacturability. And I was like, oh, I'd love to, you know, update the silk screen. Um, but I don't want to have Philby have to draw for each one. So I said, hey, you know, can we somehow have it auto-generate? And he just totally went, like, above and beyond. And, like, it automatically updates, and it's the same layout yeah, and the same work. location. It's crazy. Um, can you use a light center with an Arduino Uno? You can. Absolutely. It's, yeah. a, great, it's a great choice because it's a very lightweight sensor. Okay, and uh, a little bit of a follow-up from that wax question. Could you use uh, PWM with Arduino somehow control a nichrome wire temp? Sorry, I'm new to all this, and there's a steep layering curve. Is that a way to do it? Or yeah, you can. Um, nichrome wire is, I don't think it's inductive, because it's not going to be a coil, but it's a heater. It's a very um, low, it's basically of extremely low resistance, right? It's like 0.2 ohms. So you need a very powerful transistor, like a TIP120 or similar. Uh, you're, it's going to basically be like a, a PWM, like a motor, and that's how you would do uh, the temperature um, adjustment. So just be careful, don't burn yourself. Uh, and then whatever transistor you used, uh, you know, maybe an N-channel MOSFET would have the lowest, uh, you know, heat dissipation. It's PWM at one kilohertz, probably work great. Okay, could you construct a wireless LED with curled wire to be powered from inductive high voltage power lines? 
I mean, don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, basically, you know, yeah. I mean, don't don't do that. But I think um, how do they run it? Like, f- I don't know what frequency they run at five kilohertz. I mean, I guess, I guess you could. You'd have to get really close. Probably closer than you'd want to be. No. Just use this coil. It's runs <laughs> at twenty four volts. It's it's nice and safe. Yeah, save that project from Burning Man. Yes, please. <laughs> um, stay safe. Okay. Do not. I mean, if you want to grab a tens unit and see if it works with this, like yeah. go to town. I mean, like somebody will do some really cool, not safe for work art with it, and that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm happy for you. We're fans. We just can't endorse. Yes. Dangerous stuff. Um, okay. And with that, are the questions this week? Okay. Thanks, everybody. Okie dokie. So don't forget the code is wireless LEDs. Thank we you have so them. much. Everybody, don't forget you get free stuff free, free, um, free, free, free. on the way out when you check out. And, you know, pick up some of these and more. And, uh, you know, what does the money go to when you buy stuff from us? It pays people, great living wages, 401ks, health if you, benefits, if you like, uh, auto, open auto, source code, automatic Eagle font converters. Yeah. Somebody had to spend a week writing 2, that. 2,730 <laughs> guides. So uh, that's what we do. Um, LTR 329 no, libraries. No loans or venture capital. We're okay. still, I think, one of the only independent electronic companies doing this thing out there. Uh, we don't do ads or harvest your info or do any of the things like I that. I mean, I have to spend a lot of money on hair dye. <laughs> it's all that hair dye. Like, what's um, that, like, like $60,000 pink hair dye? Yeah. Somebody please help me budget. Yeah. My family's starving. <laughs> and uh, we're going to keep at this because we got cool customers and we very much appreciate all of you. Special thanks to Jesse May behind the scenes tonight. Thank you, Jesse Slack Helping out. We'll see everybody uh, next week. We're going to do a moment of Zener. This has been an Adafruit production, and I'm going to play some music on the way out. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody.